0: Hi friends, welcome back to the show. My guest today is Corey Allen. He's an audio engineer, meditation coach, and an author. Mindfulness meditation is great, but it's supposed to be in service of a mindful life rather than simply being a way to spend 15 minutes of your day. I wanted to ask Corey about how he advises people to take their practice off the meditation cushion and into their daily life. Expect to learn how to use touch to bring yourself back to the present moment, Corey's favorite cues for reinforcing daily mindfulness, why the clothes that you're wearing offer endlessly interesting sensations to meditate on, how to recognize when you've become lost in thought, how to reframe unwanted emotions, and much more. Some very exciting news is that the Modern Wisdom annual review template is now live, and it's free, and you can go and get it. chriswillx.com slash review. That's Chris willx.com slash review if you have been thinking that you want to do an end of year recap to learn the lessons that you've taken away from 2021 and to put a plan in place for how you can structure 2022 this is the exact process that I use it's taken the best of every person Uh, People like Chris Sparks, James Clear, David Perel have stolen tons of bits from all of their workflows and just put them into what I do. So this isn't an original piece of work, but it's some sort of love child of all of the best productivity guys that I follow all put into one place. You can copy it into your notes direct from the PDF and then just fill it in. It'll take probably two sessions of three hours, I think. It's about six hours in total, but it made such a huge difference to my 2021. Doing it at the end of last year, uh, it was one of the most important parts to any success that I've seen over the last year. So go and do it. It'll make a huge difference. You've got time in between Christmas and New Year. You're gonna have some time off of work. I highly, highly recommend that you round out this year and that you get started with some goals, with some strategy, with some direction for 2022. ChrisWillX.com slash review. In other news, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. There might be something which is interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals. Perhaps you've got some challenges at work. Maybe you need to look at an issue in your relationship, or perhaps it's just something from your past that keeps on arising in your mind. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist who you can start communicating with in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line or self-help. It is professional counselling done securely over the internet. Their therapists have a broad range of expertise which may not be available in your area. The service is available worldwide. You can log in at any time and send a message to your counsellor. Plus you get timely and thoughtful responses and you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you don't even have to leave the house. It's easy and free to change counsellors if Needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. We all know that if you work with a PT, your body is going to improve. This is precisely the same thing, but for your mind. So if you're looking at 2022, wanting to improve the texture of your own existence on a daily basis, this is the best place to start. I think that far more people than realize it would have huge benefits from counseling, and BetterHelp is it's just the most convenient and cheapest way to do it. Head to BetterHelp.com slash modern, wes- modern wisdom. wisdom. BetterHelp.com slash modern wisdom to get 10% off your first month and join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In other, other news, this episode is brought to you by Element. You do not need to have coffee first thing in the morning. You can get away with salt in water, which will mean your adrenal system's optimized. It also means you're going to reduce your caffeine throughout the day so you will sleep better on a nighttime. And when you finally do have your first coffee, you're genuinely going to feel it. Also, you can get a free sample pack of all eight flavors from Element by going to drinklmnt.com slash modernwisdom. It's $5 shipping to the US or £3.84 to the UK. So you pay nothing for the pack. All that you do is cover the cost of the shipping. You'll get eight flavors so that you can do it for an entire week and a day and try it out, especially if you're looking to start some new habits in 2022. One of them might be reducing your caffeine intake. This is a really, really good place to begin. Drink lmnt.com slash modern wisdom, and that will get you the free sample pack. Just cover the cost of the shipping, and that's it. And in final news, this episode is brought to you by DW Aligners. Get the perfect straight smile that you have always dreamed of, 70% cheaper than other invisible align methods. They even have their nighttime aligners now, which give you straight teeth while you sleep. You pop them in on a nighttime, take them out before you go about your day. But if you get the normal daytime aligners as well, they're unobtrusive. You can even drink water and talk and have meetings, and people won't even notice. You incrementally adjust them over time. And That moves your teeth into position, creating a straighter smile. You even get a free premium whitening kit with every plan. So, not only do you now have straight teeth, but you even have white teeth. They have a digital system, which means that you skip regular trips to the dentist's. Artificial intelligence does scans on a weekly basis, and you get appointed a treatment coordinator who helps you every step of the way. It's an easier, quicker, and cheaper way to get the smile that you've always dreamed of while still receiving all of the support and expertise that you would traditionally, plus they also offer great finance plans. Head to dwaligners.co.uk slash modernwisdom to have a look at all of the different packages, their daytime aligners and their nighttime aligners, and you'll be able to get it 70% cheaper than other invisible align methods. That's dwaligners.co.uk slash modernwisdom. But now, it is time for the wise and wonderful Corey Allen. All right, Corey Allen, welcome. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me in your city. It's my absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming to the city. I know, man. It's been very good. It's been a shame that we haven't got to see each other until now for professional purposes, but we've we've made it work. We've spoken previously a lot about mindfulness. You've got still my favorite ever guided meditation course, and I wanted to try and have a discussion today where we can help people who are into mindfulness, who practice it when they can or practice it regularly to try and take their theory and the work that they do during their mindfulness practice off the cushion, so to speak, into the real world, try and get some practices, some triggers, some examples of how people can stay mindful and create the mindfulness gap in their everyday lives, whether that be with family, when emotions arise during situations, to help them feel more present and mindful and live a life which is richer and also to be able to distance themselves from their emotions, to stop themselves from identifying with things. So where would you start? Let's say someone comes to you and says, Corey, I want to try and take my practice off the cushion. Where would someone even begin? Yeah.
1: Um, well, I think that the the first place someone would start would just be focusing on their actions, more, like their physical actions, more With more intention, right? So just paying a a bit more attention to as you're going throughout the day, like not just letting your hand do something sort of by its own, but actually as you're going to pick up your coffee mug or whatever, just notice the fact that it's happening. Just notice it happening and notice the feel of the cup and tap more into the sensory experience of your experience more often, you know? And by doing that, even, you know, of course, uh, doing that with your own breath during throughout the day. Um, but even whenever you're walking, just note the fact in your mind, I'm walking, oh, I'm walking. There's a foot, you know, planting, 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 interesting. You can, st- and you, whenever you start, by doing that, what you're doing is basically tuning yourself in to the sensations within your sense doors, you know, you, all of your, your five senses, and then the plus one, which is the sense of consciousness. You know, in Buddhism, there's, a, they add that as the there's the sixth sense, as mental formations, and for a good reason, which I can share later um but essentially yeah, getting tuned into how you're you know j- just being in a body in the world and being aware of what you're experiencing when you're experiencing it that would be step number one because even focusing on that alone that simple thing like take make it completely secular take away all of the all of the other stuff that meditation or mindfulness may have to offer and even take away all of the insights pluck some random person off the street and say hey Try this as an experiment. Pay a little bit more attention to just the, your your sensory navigation of your day and just see what happens. And what happens is that an, a person can't help but not, you know, the mind begins to train, begins to focus more on that as opposed to being caught in this, this what most people are caught in that live an unexamined life or this automatic causal type of re- repercussion momentum of, of life to where they have all of their their you know their programming the chance of their life the the happenstance of where they were born who their parents are the experiences that they've had and so forth and so forth and what happens is that in all of that conditioning you know the conditioning of kind of what you should think who you should be how you should whatever um you just go along kind of reacting to everything that you experience and in that um People spend a lot of time unfocused in their their mental area, just their general conceptual view and connection with their the present moment of experience. And because of that, because there's no focus on this, it's all kind of this drifting sort of um, uh, mental kind of
0: junkyard of stuff that's happening up there. Just lack of uh, focus, ultimately. Yeah. Um, one thing that I find quite interesting, and it's nice that you touched on touch as the first one. You know, one of those days where you you notice yourself being lost in your own thought, it's almost like you're walking through your own dream in a weird way and you're very much just on automatic mode. One of the things that I do, it happens sometimes when I'm driving in the car, is try and grip the steering wheel and feel it's got little perforations mm-hmm. on the, the leather steering wheel and just really, really try and get very, very clear about how that feels underneath my hands. It's so strange that that seems to pull me out of it, but... John Viveki guy, Canadian psychologist guy, has some really nice experiments that you can do around this. So everybody, most people that are listening are wearing clothes, right? Um, But you don't feel the sensation of the clothes on your skin unless you focus on them. Let's say that you've got a pair of shoes on. You don't feel the pressure of the shoe around your foot. You don't feel the seat underneath your bum. You don't feel the ground underneath your feet. You don't feel the wind on your skin. You don't feel the breath in your lungs. All of these sensations are there at the forefront of consciousness, ready for you to tap into, ready for you to feel present. Look at how much, how many layers there are. And I've just named some clothes that people wear, some items that are attached to their body. You can feel the, ten, the sensation of a T-shirt that's just pushing on the front and on the back of your body. It's there all day. How is it that you don't notice it? Well, it's because you're not paying attention. Now, would it do for you to spend your entire day lost in the world of your T-shirts, pressure on your skin? <laughs> Might be a suboptimal way to live your life. However, it shows that that is there for you at all times, and that's such a cool practice. Mm-hmm. I, ne- I need to do that more.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And really, um, you know, we're kind of jumping out a little bit, but the the focal point that one wants to get to after a, a period of mindfulness and meditation training is. Finding this, this buoyancy between the macro view of self, just kind of the overhead view of like, oh, I'm a person that's existing in a body, and the highly focused view, like as you mentioned, of like, oh, what's the sensation of my t shirt only? The real sweet spot is in between those things, and continued practice makes it to where the transition between those two states is extremely not only natural and fluid, but instinctual as well. So if you read the actual original canical commentaries on you know, mindfulness training, which is a very small part of a huge um, you know, dialogue, a way to describe it is if you're looking at a tree in the distance, you want to be as focused on the tree as you are in the field as well. Equal balance on the big picture and the individual thing. And that as, as a, it's a truism, but it's also as an analogy to as you're going throughout the day, you always want to try and be focused on the big picture to a degree and then in an equal balance with a focused, precise like a point of attention and focus, but allowing having the relationship between those two things be such that it shifts instinctually based upon what your response is into your current moment experience. How can someone bring more of that into their life? Yeah, well, meditation certainly is a key a key way because first, most people are stuck in um, focus mind, but it has no aim. So they're sort of zeroing in on one little tidbit and then another tidbit and, another tidbit and another tidbit and another tidbit, and that's what people feel like whenever someone says, "Oh, well, my my mind is crazy. I have too many thoughts going on. I can't focus on anything. I'm thinking I'm ADD or you know whatever someone might say." That's just because they're leaned way into this, ultimately what it is, is this a, a panic state. That's where most people are, is because if no one, if a person doesn't train themselves in whatever modality that they have to move the body over to a parasympathetic nervous system state, then they spend all their time in the kind of amygdala fight-or-flight or fight-or-flight or fight or adjacent state. And that's where most people are, because being, as I was saying earlier, being in the state of Conditioned awareness and conditioned mind of what you should experience, what you should think, how you should act to X, y, and Z, or what someone says. Um, that also goes to just the contents of life as well. so people are continuously just reacting to everything all the time instead of engaging with it with a sense of self-awareness and um ultimately, Whenever you, you, you are in this panic state, because there's so much stuff, especially now with, you know, social media and just all the technology stuff, there's so many things to focus on is that people are just going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing. And what happens is that's really just juicing the amygdala brain or part of the brain like an orange. And so you're in this panic reactive state all the time. And that's like people that say, oh, well, I'm, I'm an achiever. I'm crushing it all the time. I'm doing I'm working like, you know, 4 a.m. 10 p.m., I have 9,000 meetings and all this stuff. I'm doing all these things, and I'm really, like, feeling good and doing it. It's like, no, you're caught in a panic state because you're going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, but you're mistaking the, the um, like, serotonin release of constant low-level craving, like basically taking a bunch of, like, a thousand little tiny hits of a drug over and over, but you're not actually feeling, you know, really good. You're just kind of like a rat hitting
0: a feeder bar in a lab experiment, right? We spoke about this earlier. We were talking about the fact that now the most important skill that you can have in the 21st century is to be able to filter information. You don't need to be able to scavenge for more. There is more information than we need. The smartest people on the planet are the ones who are actually able to effectively discern noise and signal and spread those apart. Right. That's what people need to be able to do. And I suppose that on a personal level as well, You need to work out, okay, what are the stimuli that I want to have in my life? What are the things that I want to continue to allow in? What are the ones that I want to get off? So we've got a somatic practice or a a, a focus on the body. What is it that I'm sensing, doing that, connecting with that? I'm picking up this glass. How does the food taste? How does the fork taste and feel in my mouth, et cetera, et cetera? What would be the next step?
1: Yeah, so then actually moving to some type of like sitting practice I think is really valuable. Um, And I know you you mentioned taking off the mat, but in terms of what we're talking about here, this is someone who has no mat at all, right? So let's say, even if someone doesn't want to say, well, I want to start meditating, as you mentioned, just let's parse out some of the noise, right? So having a a moment of time in your day that's scheduled in if you have to, where you're shutting down the phone, you're shutting down the computer, you know, in turning things off, just having a space of quiet and stillness that you can exist
0: in for, you know, however long you can. What would you prescribe for someone that is is keen to do this? The people that are listening will be familiar with mindfulness practices. Yeah. Some people will have a, a semi-regular one that they wish was probably a bit more regular. I would imagine that that's a big chunk of, of the audience. So what would you say is your prescription to try and aim for how long, how frequent? Yeah, I mean, I, if you can't, at least half an hour. I mean, that's what...
1: Because you think about, like, people think that sounds like a lot. Or, it sounds for half an hour. But, you know, someone will sit down and watch a half-hour you know, episode of something on Netflix or whatever, and that's a half hour, you know. It's not that long, and there's time that, that fits into the day. It's just about dedicating that time to that. Or you think about before bed or after, like, I know some people, a lot of people that... They wake up. The first half hour of their day is just reading, or you know, and so you can plug these things into life, and really just having that time in there. What it does is it just starts to desaturate the senses, you know. But and, and it stops. It takes away some of kind of the chewing gum that the that the intellect has, where it's always trying to focus and having something. Because if you're always engaged with a phone or a social situation or some type of entertainment then what you're doing is you're really ignoring the your, your inner self, right? Because you're always just, you're externally involved with something else. It's a form of distraction. And that's why people stay so intensely plugged into those things is because they're, they're staying intentionally distracted oftentimes from something that they don't want to acknowledge or they don't want to feel, you know? So it's like, oh, If I go, if I go out six nights a week, I never have to think about why you know, I feel whatever whatever way. Man, I'll, ne- for
0: I'll never forget. I was in a, a relationship with a girl while I was at uni and we were breaking up. It was my choice. And uh, she was upset. And she, was, she said something to the effect of, um, I don't want to go back to having to go out all the time. And that blew me away because implicit in that is if I'm not with someone, I can't bear to not go out all the time. Right. And that scared me. And that really made me. I mean, one thing it said was, fuck, this was the right decision. Because if this person has. If they struggle so much with being on their own, with not having a sense of validation personally, that they then need to go and get it sort of publicly. Yeah. That's a pretty malignant Part of their life. Uh, But it stuck with me, man. That was fucking 12, 13 years ago. Just some random tiny little line. I don't want to have to go back to going out all the time. It's so crazy how stuff like that sticks with you, you know? Mm -hmm. I always think about this. Think about all of the stuff, all the interactions that you've had with people on your podcasts, in meditation sessions, when you've met somebody in the street, and some throwaway fucking line that you just decide to say someone could keep with them for 60 years. But no reason. It might not be profound. Yeah. That one was like a profound insight. But it could just be a thing, the funny way that you said fortune or whatever. You know, like just some random shit. It's so mad how that happens. We don't know the uh, legacy that our interactions carry with yeah. them.
1: An- another reason why mindfulness is important, because you're more aware of what you're saying when you're saying it. And so you're not – the chance of saying one of those things with a positive effect is much higher because you have this intentionality about what you're saying, as opposed to just talking shit freely. And, you know, maybe you give someone the wrong idea based off of just something that you're carelessly saying. And then they take that as a script to move forward with, you know, I I was just recently reflecting on one, and this isn't really connected to anything other than how those little kind of earworms get into your brain. And just, I was recently thinking about one of those. um, So probably like almost 20, it was 20 years ago at this point, I was working in a bookstore and to find, a, see if this bookstore had a particular book, you find, you look it up in one system, and then there's like a ten-digit number, and they type that into another system that would show you if you had it or not. So there was an older gentleman that was in there, and I was, you know, like nineteen or twenty or something, and he said, "You know, do you have this?" I went, and I looked, and I got a pen and paper because I found that number I wanted to write down. And he goes, oh, "He said, hold on a second, what are you doing?" I said, like, "Well, I got to write this down so I can put it in there." And he's like, "No, no, no. You, you can, you can do that. Like, let's think for a second. Like," It's, it's 10 numbers or whatever. Like, w- look at them. What are they? Like, rem- remember them. You've got, you know, five, seven, nine, whatever. And he said, like, You can, t- we can totally do this. And I was like, Okay. And I remember I, I did it. And then I remembered them, repeated them in my mind, and then typed them in. And like, boom, got it right. And for whatever reason, that just stuck with me where I was like, Hold on a second. Like, I shouldn't default to just not engaging with my intellect and my brain in moments because. I either think it's not possible, or you're just oh well. You should grab a pen and paper. Why? That's one of those conditioning things. It's like because, it, as a group in society, it's something that people default to saying you should grab a piece of pen and paper instead of um, just you know kind of leveling up a little bit and engaging and saying actually I'm gonna I'm gonna apply my mind to this. Man, life use it.
0: life needs to be lived by design, not default. Because yeah. so many of the default settings that we've got are horseshit. They're so bad. And I don't know whether you do that. I imagine that you pro- imagine that you probably do. Um, did you ever, as a kid, make little games for yourself about that? How quick you could get up the stairs? Oh, if I can get up the stairs this quickly, or maybe if I can jump over, if I can go up in twos, or whatever it might be. Oh yeah. Well, my my. Well, go, go ahead. Yeah. Just those <laughs> those little things, kind of like that. I do that as well. I try and come up with dumb dumb little tests. Yeah. For something, you know, I've got to remember a, a string of numbers for somebody's phone number. And I'll go out of my way to make it not a big deal, but kind of like a little a little challenge for myself. But that's the same compulsion that I had as a kid while I was saying, Well, if I if I throw this basketball in on the next three goals, then I'm gonna become a millionaire or whatever <laughs> oh, yeah. it might De- be. You definitely. know, that sort of dumb stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I used to this sounds weird saying it out loud, but
1: that's why I'm <laughs> sharing it. So when I was a little kid, you know, you play with your toys in the bathtub, perhaps, um if you're lucky enough to have such a thing. And uh, as a little kid, I would get, um, like, Ziploc bags, you know, like just plastic bags, and I would get, like, a toy, and I would put it in there, and I would put food coloring in there, and I would get packaging tape and a Swiss Army knife, and I would play surgery. (laughs) 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 So if I could cut the bag open and extract the toy with, like, not leaking a certain amount of red-colored, you know, water, and then tape it closed all underwater... Then I was like a successful surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: look at you now. A successful yeah. surgeon. Successful surgeon. Yeah. Fuck. If you have anything you need take care of, them. I'm happy All that so. preparation has really yeah. done well. All right. So we've got the somatic practice. We've got making sure that we've got intentionality when we're doing things, when we're actually engaging with our mind. Yeah. We've got a seated practice, which you've said, for about half an hour. I think, personally for me, half an hour really pushes the limit. I think that I worked up from 10 to 15 and then 15 to 20. And as I start to go over 20, I'm like, wow, this is a, that goes from it being a, a something that my compliance is high to something that my compliance is low. But that's to. even just like sitting, like laying in bed without anything okay. happening. Okay. So yeah. I'm not, not a talking formal about practice. meditating. Yeah. yeah okay. Just,
1: just, yeah. Just stillness, just quiet, like shutting out the noise. Cause that's for someone that doesn't want to try and meditate. Just like turn off the static for a while every day, you know, that's really cleansing to the mind and that will actually draw your awareness inward because this is one of the big things is that like when if you're always engaged with like content or data or some type of distraction, you can't hear your own voice because you're always thinking in relation to whatever the other thing is. And so shut all that out and think, well, what what am I thinking right now? Not, not what am I reacting or, or whatever to, you know, because you're co-regulating your your consciousness by constantly being engaged with external material.
0: Yes, yes. You know? Dude, here's an awesome hack for that. Just drive in the car without any music on mm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and without anything in your ears. This was something that I started doing when I went to. I would uh, the drive to the office is about 15 minutes, and it was so good. I'm already driving. I'm doing something which is sufficiently system one that I don't really need to think about it. Right, you're not thinking about driving when you're driving, unless you're a really bad driver. And there are some awful drivers in Austin. I'm going to segue. Austin has the most barbell strategy of drivers I've ever met in my life. Everybody is either an ex-rally car driver or a danger on the roads that shouldn't have a license. There is no one in between. There are people that are amazing and people that are terrible. But um, driving to work with silence is so good. And you're doing the drive anyway, and it's sufficiently passive that it's probably not going to matter. That's a great way to do it, I think. Yeah, no, that is a good way to do it. And so the point
1: of doing all of that Would be to start to withdraw somewhat from the continuous kind of panic mode of always dealing with something, and give yourself a chance to slip into that parasympathetic mode. Right. So by doing that, you then that's the the rest and digest zone where you become less um, frantically focused on things, less kind of anxiety driven and reactive, and more calm, full more serotonin is releasing. More self-aware, heartbeat slows down, breath becomes more shallow, you know. And in that state, um, you're, of course, feeling good. That's where most people would like to be. And that's ultimately after you meditate for 10 minutes or whatever, that's where you, what you'll typically switch over to. Um, But doing that, getting into that state consciously through even just shutting out the noise or some type of formal meditation practice, even just the easy breathing practice, um, that will begin to bring balance Because if you're always in that fight or flight mode all the time, messing with a bunch of noise, it's just going to introduce a counterbalance to that state and draw that one back a little bit. And the more that you practice those, and the more time you spend in that state of stillness and mindful awareness, the more more into balance that those two things are going to
0: to become. How happy would you be with someone doing this alongside a, fairly menial job so let's say it's driving the car doing the washing up mowing the lawn are you happy with somebody utilizing that time or is there too much stimulus going on if they're doing a task
1: um as long as they're focused on the task i mean that could that's definitely a mindfulness practice yeah chop yeah, carry water yeah but, but apply suggestion number one that we had to that moment so getting into the awareness of your actual experience as you're experiencing it and being aware of the sensations and the sense doors and so forth Um, while having that, you know, just something to focus on is is a good way to do that as well. Thinking about
0: how overloaded I sometimes am, but also some of my friends are ridiculous at this. They'll be listening to a book on three times speed whilst the Roomba automated schedule is going around and hoovering up the house, and they'll be cleaning things up, but they'll have their laptop open because they've got some notes for an exam that they've got coming up a little bit later on. I'm like, the threshold, the waterline for acceptable stimulus has just shot through the roof. You're already listening to something at a million times speed. You've got this schedule thing going on. You know you've got to call in five minutes, but you're going to fit this in because, yeah, The um, I don't know where that compulsion comes from. I, I I think it's partly productivity, more done in less time stuff. But I also think that you're right that there is an anxiety Beyond I should be doing more with my time, there is simply an anxiety with just sitting, yeah with a oh, bit of silence. Sure. yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, it's because if you if you haven't done it before, you know, then all the stuff that you haven't seen you re- kind of start reacting to, because you, you f- feel like, oh, well, now you become aware of your internal dialogue and what you're actually sensing, and it's just overwhelming because you're used to numbing it by being distracted away from it, you
0: know? What's next?
1: Well, um, from there, I'm going to go to just a, a, something a bit more fun. And it's a bit more, more deep, but um, it's a fun thing that people can do to really begin to get to the root of something that will be very helpful. So along with the sensory input of uh, just experiencing what you're experiencing in a physical way with more awareness, um, start paying attention to, throughout the day to your your movements and what kind of what you choose to move how you move your hand what you're actually doing and again just note those things in your mind as as you're doing them so you're sort of like oh again i'm lifting the cup you know i'm setting the cup down i'm walking i'm talking right now and you can do this as detailed as you want this is actually a a part of the fundamental training of mindfulness uh, as far as it's actually written is to do this but uh, a monk would do this 24 7 for you know, however long for, for weeks, years, months, whatever, it's very, very detailed. And that's all you're doing is noting. Um, but the point is, is that the more that you start doing that and you focus on just kind of noting your own awareness, being aware of your own experience, then something interesting starts happening is that the time it takes, because you'll, you'll stop doing that. And then at one point later in the day, you'll then go, you'll, you kind of catch it again and, and remember and see like, oh, yeah, yeah, I was noting things. So now, now I'm I'm getting some food or whatever it is, right? Um, famously, uh, Uspinski, I believe it was, Gurdjieff's disciple, uh, went out to, he was doing what he called self-remembering. Same concept, just different school of thought. And was walking and he was self-remembering and things were going good. And then uh, a few weeks went by. He went to get a pack of cigarettes and a few weeks went by. And he's like, oh, yeah. I was self-remembering until I went to go get that pack of cigarettes, you know. So even someone who's doing it in this train that you could you could start it and you'd be doing it and then something will kind of sweep you into this long chain of thought. So much that it, a lot of time could go by. But eventually you'll remember it and you'll go, oh, right, I'm going to do that thing. And you start doing it again. Um, and then the more that you focus on that, just the more curious it becomes how, how you're not really um, as in control of yourself as you think you are you know, we're very much these autonomous kind of beings that are on autopilot in a lot of ways in our lives. You think of the amount of times that you shift your feet around while you're sitting in a chair, or you scratch your arm, or you go to have a sip of water, or you lift your arm up, or you, you kind of move a thumb across a fingernail or something like that, or you blink, whatever it is, there's all these things that we do constantly that we're, that we're not even aware of. We're just engaged whatever with whatever kind of our focused mental mind is on at that moment. But when you start doing this practice more, you'll start noticing how much that you're actually doing without realizing it. You'll notice how you're shifting in your chair. You know, you'll, you'll notice all those little movements and stuff like that. And what gets really trippy is that then you start to notice like something, for the example, of like, oh, if your arm is itching, if you were completely unexamined, you'd be sitting there at your office or home. your arm would itch, you would scratch it, and you wouldn't even think about it. It, it would happen way, way in the background. If you're noting your, your, your present experience, you'll note it, oh, I just scratched my arm. That's interesting. Cool. And then as you continue practicing this, uh, as time goes on, then you'll get to a place where you can, if you so desire, to go so deep into it of, oh, my arm is itching. I want to scratch my arm now. Instead of just going, oh, I just scratched my arm. Mm-hmm. you go, oh, there's an itch there. Interesting. And now we get to a deeper level of it, which is the arising um, array of impulses that we have. Because our impulses are really the root of all of our behavior. And wherever you, you note your physical movements enough, you then can go backwards one step or deeper one step and realize the arising desire and impulse to do things as opposed to just the fact that you're doing them. And what that does is gives you one level deeper of control and awareness of your actions and how you are existing in the present moment. And all of this really boils down to being able to navigate, put a sail up on the boat of your life and navigate your existence with more intentionality and more self-awareness. And what's interesting is if you watch this example, say you have the itch and you notice the impulse to scratch then you realize you have agency within that. You go, hold on. I I don't have to lift my hand up to scratch it right now. I can choose to respond to that or to not. And I can actually just kind of focus my attention on that itch feeling. Like, what is that really? It's just an odd little sensation. It's really not unpleasant. It's just there. But I'm so conditioned to mechanically and automatically engage with it that I've always done it. But if you just watch it, and then you keep watching it and then it just kind of goes away like huh and the more you start getting into that level then you realize that that awareness of the impulse to do things not just do, as you're doing them you you become more in in control of e- everything in life like like eating per se you're not stuffing your face you're actually aware of what you're eating you're aware of well This arising impulse to just crush whatever's on your plate or go like, you know, I'm actually going to, I'm already getting full. I'm going to stop now because I'm full. I don't want to feel sick later. Um, If you're speaking with someone and you have these words arising in the directions that you want to change or move the conversation or the interaction with, normally a person who is unexamined is just kind of you know they're they're going, going, it's all unraveling against their real will. It's just kind of just happening to them almost, a person. And that's why people say things that they regret, they say harmful things, they say kind of unskillful things, as one would say, um, or just stupid things, you know. Um, but with that deeper level of mindful awareness, you then like the same awareness of the impulse to do a physical action as opposed to just doing it. You become aware of the arising dialogue in your mind and what you're going to say and if you should say it or not. And that's really where that mindfulness gap appears that you mentioned earlier, because then say that you have a, a reaction to an experience. Someone says something that triggers you and you get irritated and you feel normally you would react and say something cutting or mean or like resentful to them. Um, With that level of clarity and self-awareness and intentionality, you can then feel that feeling arising and then actually examine and know what you're going to say, you know, more skillfully, if anything at all. And like what the moment actually calls for, as opposed to being drawn
0: into a further detachment and distraction of that panic and
1: anxiety state.
0: Yeah, man, I think about an example Sam Harris uses a lot while he was sat at a meditation retreat. And if you have tight hips, like almost everybody, and you sit on a meditation cushion Your knees can hurt a fair bit, Mm a good bit of uh, force going through them. And he said that he focused on the pain in his knee for so long until it broke apart and it became sort of pure bliss. And I've been going to a place called Kuya, which I need to force you to come with me at some point. Uh, Hot and cold therapy, sauna gets up to 250 degrees, which is a hot puppy. And then they've got 34 degrees Fahrenheit cold plunge, Straight outside, you go and you lower yourself in and there's a little clock on the wall. And um, very quickly after starting to do that, I noticed that if I focus on the sensation of what cold feels like, not on being cold, not on the narrative around the fact that this is cold and this sucks and I've just come out of 250 degrees and now I'm into 32 degrees. If I focus on the sensation, everything completely changes. It's a fascinating experience that kind of feels like tiny little needles, tiny little pinpricks. And then it feels like a vice and now it feels like warmth and now it feels like something else, but it doesn't feel like cold. Cold is the narrative name that we've given to that particular combination of sensations. If you actually get into the sensation itself, it breaks apart into components that like a meal, right? You eat a meal, you're not focusing on the meal you're just eating the the aggregated macro flavor overall but if you really really pay attention you go okay well that's the chicken that's the oregano that's the pesto that's the spice that's the part that and you can break it apart in that way and um the richness and the level of depth i mean you you can see how much i'm desperately trying to stay in for three minutes that i'm going into some black hole of uh mindfulness just to try and stick (laughs) about for 180 seconds but it's awesome for cold therapy has been, you know, those, whatever I've done, maybe 30 between 20 and thirty three minute blocks since I've been here in that cold plunge. Mm. And every single time it's fascinating. Yeah. Absolutely. I'd like to do the cold plunge in
1: the sauna. Oh, you think? No. no. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. No, that, that, that type of stuff is, it, that's almost like a manufactured uh, external intervention. You know, where you're, you're Shocking the system into forcing your attention onto something, um, which for someone is useful for anyone. It's a useful, useful experience, but also for someone
0: who just feels like they can't break out of it. It's like, well, there there are ways. Oh, man, you put know? yourself put yourself in that cold plunge and think about something that isn't what you're doing. Yeah. So Paul Bloom's most recent book, The Sweet Spot, is great, and he interviewed a dominatrix for it. And he was trying to work out why it is that some people, in, uh, that suffering is part of a good life, and right. how pain sort of contributes to our sense of enjoyment. And this dominatrix said, nothing captures attention like a whip. Mm-hmm. And what she means is that if someone slaps you in the face, for the next three to five seconds, you're not thinking about anything other than the fact that you've just been slapped in the face. And it's not that people want peace of mind, it's that they want peace from mind Mm -hmm. can i enter into a state it's one of the reasons that i think people love extreme sports that have a very very high chance of death you know base jumping wingsuit downhill mountain bike snowboard ski all this stuff it forces your attention into such a narrow chasm because you know that the problem and the issue of you straying from that is so grave that you may die and that's peace from mind, not peace of mind. Right. Exactly. And it's, it's kind
1: of fascinating that there are so much easier ways to get to that place than getting squirrels. Yeah, yeah, a wingsuit and jumping off the side of a mountain. Um, but to each their own. Um, yeah, it, I think going a little deeper and in, in moving into a real useful aspect of what we're getting to here with, with this being more aware of what's going on in the mind, what's going on, starting with the body. Being aware of the senses and then sl- starting to move into the mechanism of the mind if you you keep following that you get to you know one of the places you mentioned where like well these arising things these impulses these are just fabricated concepts that don't really mean anything you know i'm just like resonating like a wine glass you know with someone singing but there's not really that material the conscious material that's arising that's not me those are just mental formations you know so even whenever you You want to say you you go, I need to go check my email real quick. Like that impulse, you see it arise that the feeling to go, go into motion and check the email. It's like, well, that since that's just a complete passing cloud of nothingness, you know, and being able to distinguish that those are really coming from nowhere and going to nowhere will show you that your thoughts are really not you, Right. You are the awareness that is observing the passing of the thoughts, the witness to the content of mind, not the mind itself. And understanding that is so valuable because one of the things that people do is mistake their thoughts for who they are. And that leads to an extensive amount of um, self-criticism, of self-doubt, self-hatred, all sorts of things, and really just a true confusion about the nature of self and reality. An example that I have been enjoying using lately to describe that is, um, imagine if you are there and you, you have a nice orange, nice tasty orange. You open it up, you smell the orange, right? You smell it for a moment and while you're eating it or whatever, and then you carry on about your day. For hours later, you never mistake that you were the smell of the orange. You're well aware that you smelled an orange That was the smell, you moved on, it moved on, and it's not not there anymore. Right? But with thoughts, what happens is that a thought arises, someone looks at that and they go, Oh, that's who I am, or that is some type of truth. And then because it's internal instead of external, they're then able to grab onto that and then relate to it right to their identity to that thought or that sensation. And that's much more insidious and long lasting. Because it's internally resonant as opposed to externally informed. So with this, the smell of the orange, we're aware that that is outside of the, our skin. There is a tactile world. And in that, there is stuff happening. And our senses take in the information from that world. And we recognize that there is a relationship between our experience and that external object. And there's no real confusion there in general, Right. But the issue is, it, it, the, the, we're getting, the reason why that's so clear is because we're getting constant feedback from the external object, right? Um, like, you always know your arms are on a table because the table is always pushing on your arm, you know? There's no mistaking, like, I'm becoming the table. Like, it's, it's, there, it's there, I'm here, right? And so, <laughs> um, with, with the mind, since those things are generated internally, whenever a thought goes by... There's no resonance, there's no reference point, there's no constant feedback. It can just hang in the space of the mind's eye right and so then, because often our thoughts have to do with us because we're thinking about our own narrative and kind of creating our story of whatever's happening in the moment, um, we can we begin to mistake that mental material you know for truth and for reality and for what we are. so if someone has this thought. You know, some type of like, ah, I'm a piece of shit. Like, I shouldn't have done this. Goddamn, I'm a, you know, and I'm failing at like this thing or whatever. You, that thought arises, and then you can grasp onto it because there, it's it's kind of suspended in space in your mind, and then you it's like an endless orange. Yeah, the endless orange of self hatred and self doubt, and then you that that gets kind of grafted onto the lens of your experience, and then the longer you stay with that, that begins to then inform. Your decision making in life, because your temperament has changed, you know your your outlook on the self is changing. So therefore, your confidence and your general navigation of your own life changes, and it also just becomes the snowball of suffering. Because the longer you stay thinking that that is real and true, the more real it will seem. Because the mind is always naturally looking for ways to reinforce whatever it's currently thinking at the moment or whatever it's experiencing, I'm trying to build a case our mind our consciousness is always like litigating reality at all points right and so in 12 a jury of 12 of your peers who were all other aspects and layers of the self are all you know voting to convict constantly and so um by recognizing that the conscious material that's arising in the mind is simply just disconnected uh happenstance truly just transient sort of data you can then step back and observe that and not get caught up mistaking what you think for who you are.
0: Yeah, man. Thoughts not being things is, it's so easy to forget. Um, do you have any more stories or examples that you like to use with the people that you teach about how to remind themselves that thoughts aren't things? Oh, well, I mean, that's, that was a pretty good one I just shared. But Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just, I'm just trying to think, if we've got the orange, we've got that idea, we've got... I'm just wondering if there's if there's another another way that you sure, like to frame sure. that. Yeah, so you could think about
1: something more simply, because I know that was complicated and, and exhaustive. Something more simply, you think about like how say you you are you wake up in your bed one morning, right? And you feel great. You didn't have any drinks the prior night, you ate well, you slept well, you feel good, the sun is shining in the window, it smells good and fresh in there, beautiful crisp day little owl outside your window looking in at you. He's happy. Belly full of mouse. The everything is good in the world, right? You get up, you feel good, all right, I'm gonna go this beautiful day. I'm gonna go out. I can't wait, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. You go on. Now say that the next that night, because you were having such a good night, you decided to celebrate, right? Now you're going out with you know with your friends, you're having 30 drinks or whatever it is. You're eating cheeseburgers at 4 a.m. and then a pizza. Um, you get into a fight of some kind. You know, someone glasses you in the head with a bottle, you know, whatever. Um, then you decide to have a glass of sand instead of a glass of water before getting in bed. We've all been there. So you get in, you wake up the next morning. Headache shattering, pounding, splitting headache. Eyes are Blurry that sunlight now is like giving you this crazy headache. It's contributing. Like, oh God, pulls the curtains closed. You know, now the smell in the room, you're now it's smelling sour to you. Cause now everything has got this kind of pungent repulsive smell. Everything makes you a little nauseous. Uh, the colors in the room now hurt your eyes as well and seem distasteful and disorganized. You have no energy, you know, for the day. You don't want to get moving. None of that stuff. And you just want to land your sweaty bed and just lay there and just rot, right, with this, this headache. Um, and the bed feels lumpy. Or you can't get comfortable, you know, all this stuff. Now, think about the fact that that room didn't change. The room a person you had those two distinct experiences in was the same. Same room. What was different was your mind. And what was different was the, your, your frame of consciousness, your state of mind in the way that you're perceiving it because of what was going on in your body at that point in time. Now, that's an extreme example. And what I'm doing here is peeling apart the subject and object relationship of mind. So what we experience and what we think about experience is we we receive it all based upon where our mind is at that point in time and how we're thinking and how we're feeling, right? And so as far as the thoughts are not things go, if you th- a good practice to notice you know kind of uh, the the true nature of that is to pay attention to uh thing that you're experiencing whenever you're feeling good and how you project your feeling onto that situation versus an experience when you're feeling bad and how you project your feeling onto that situation as well with a, a negative light a disruptive light versus a positive or an optimistic light and then as you start realizing that you're really kind of projecting the story of how you're feeling onto your experience, then try to separate that. It's easier to do it whenever you're in a good mood. Realize, like, oh, I'm feeling good. This room is great, blah, blah, blah. These people are nice. And just stop for a second, like, well, it, am I enjoying this so much or am I just in a good mood? <laughs> you know, like, is this really the best wine I've ever had or am I just, was I looking forward to it? You know, and you can start to just notice how the difference between the the way that you're thinking versus, what really is.
0: Would you say, I think if you run that forward, the stoic, or stoicism's prescription would be something along the lines of the external environment should never impact your internal state. Now to me, given the fact that most people are trying to find a route to happiness and joy and flourishing in life, that feels a little bit like you wake up on the great day and the hour's full and everything's going <laughs> fine. But the stoic would remind himself This is no materially no different to the day when I woke up with a hangover. That feels a little bit like constantly trying to build up a fire, someone coming and throwing kerosene on it, and you saying, No, 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 I don't want that. How do you um, factor in the ability to be sufficiently robust as to be able to deal with bad situations, but also um, absorbent enough that when you have a good time that you utilize that as a catalyst? Do you ever do you you get this tension that I'm talking about? Sure, sure, yeah. And that's why I think stoicism is. has a
1: lot of incredible, you know, beneficial qualities to it, but at the end of the day, it's quite repressive, you know, because um, the reality is is that no matter who you are, you're always going to be affected by your external environment. It's just the fact that we're, we're hairless little monkey creatures, you know, like we are in nature and we're a part of nature. So, given, I mean, the idea of saying, you know, well, I'm not going to respond to my environment, like you are the environment. You know, that the way of looking at reality is as if you can just create this wall between reacting completely to what's happening out there. It's like you're out there, too. You know, it's like someone that's in traffic and that guy hate all this traffic. It's like your traffic. You are. Yeah. Yeah. You are, too. And so that that way of thinking to me is unrealistic and doesn't really, you know, uh, follow through all the way. And so it's realizing, you know, in, in those moments, the fact that you always are going to be flowing with what is, but it's just about, and this really is the crux of all of the stuff we've been talking about, putting enough effort into being more self-aware, being aware of what you're thinking in the moment that you're thinking it, being more aware in the present about your actions and the choices that you're making, and using your intentionality to then make choices towards you know the direction of who you want to be or what you want your life to be like and in that comes uh, you know interfacing with the the truth of whatever your environmental circumstances are at that moment and using the information there along with your self awareness to then continue to make intentional choices
0: what about emotions because that's like a not a particular thought not a narrative you know a felt sense yeah a phenomenon that arises. How would someone utilize taking mindfulness off the mat uh to be able to give them that mindfulness gap when an emotion arises?
1: yeah, I mean that's a really viable one because emotions are like the ultimate you know no no logic a lot you know if you can't it's it's tough to be very emotional and very logical at the same time um so people tend to do things very you know brashly whenever they're getting really emotionally um or getting really emotional rather. And so mindfulness is super valuable because it takes some of the heat and the impact off of negative emotions and allows you to then react or respond to them. And so just be bowled over and controlled by them. So even if you say, you know, something happens and you get like furious at someone normally without, you know, being unexamined, you would just jump into whatever it is yelling at them, or I don't know what people do whenever they get furious. But, um, With, you know, being more tuned into a mindful way of living, that would arise. And then you really get to address the the root of that fury and that anger in the first place. And it's an important distinction to make because obviously it's not useful to just respond emotionally, be crazy and out of control and see red and do whatever. Um, it's also not useful to completely play and this gets into an interestingly nuanced area of what you know of, of mindfulness or some would say spirituality um, to not look at that situation whenever you get frustrated and go full on like okay I notice the arising feeling of frustration I'm not going to respond to it I'm going to you know exhale breathe calmly and allow it to move on and just let that move and then later I'll engage with whoever the person was you know if, if it's still an issue and discuss you know constructively what the problem might be um, that also, if, if not done well, can be, you have danger of, of, again, passivity and of compartmentalization. Um, and so if you want to get to the root of the matter, you, when it arises, you can use mindfulness to not react to it, but then to pause and actually really examine like the impulses. What am I thinking? What am I, why did I get so reactive? Like, is this something of of mind that I'm being triggered? Is this something I need to work on? Is it something that I need to create a boundary? That they've, you know, someone has done something to me that you know, I need to address? And it helps you actually get at like why you had that reaction in the first place instead of just getting swept up in the drama
0: of the emotion. Bring that back for me. Someone has an emotion arise. What what are some of the cues or the the, the triggers or the practices that they can use to just build that mindfulness gap in before the downstream how to deal yeah. with it. What what's the first step in that? Yeah, the
1: first one again, I think that the noting thing is really valuable. So you start getting mad, just recognize like, okay, hold on. I'm getting getting really pissed off here. Let me just pause. You notice it and pause. Don't go straight into action. You know And this is the same for
0: a self talk about being sad or yeah, anxious yeah. or depressed or whatever exactly just
1: notice it's there and then and then pause and you can you know take a breath create a little bit of space give yourself time to actually catch up to the flurry of what's happened and then you can start the self-inquiry process and realize you know what intentional choice you need to make um what i was going to get into earlier is an interesting pretty um tricky part of the ever evolving story of someone living mindfully or more, um, you know, a a quote unquote spiritual identity, which I don't, I'm not really into that word or those words, but it's in terms of what people think about it as, um, is that you can do all these practices. Let's look at like the, the maximum optimal person who is, uh, doing, you know, they're, they're completely non-reactive, they're tranquil, they're peaceful, you know, they're they're doing all this uh twenty-four seven, never disrupted, always just super easy going. Um what can happen there, interestingly, is that you can begin to feel like you, uh, you you get stiff in this way to where you can start out of the service of trying to do these things so much and um trying to almost play the character of this person as you try and do this stuff more, you can run the danger of actually becoming uh, self-righteous in this way. Right? So whenever you're, you're, you 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 do not want to kind of break the character and acknowledge that you are actually a human being. And then you're actually feeling some of these things. You're just, you're, you're living this kind of calcified form of mindfulness zombie and not allowing yourself to acknowledge the truth of what's going on deep inside of you. And that is a trap that people can fall into, you know. And you start the self-righteousness is that then you wear that character of being the completely calm, tepid person at all times around others and even with yourself, and that way you're like, oh, yeah, no, I'm completely unaffected by all of you and all of this, you know. You become a prisoner of your own mindfulness. Exactly, exactly. And so whenever you do feel those things – you know, and it, it, it says, you know, it, it answers this question within itself is whenever you feel the, the anger or whatever, you know, oh no, I'm just going to let that pass and I'm not going to not. Well, that's great. And you should not react to it. But if you aren't I- engaged in it, then you're, you're messing up because you want to engage in, well, why did I, f- what happened there? Like, why did I feel that? Like, what's going on? What do I need to understand more clearly about the situation of myself or what should I be saying or, or doing in this moment, as opposed to just always like just shutting it off, right? Because that's one of the th- miscommunications that people get is they think, well, it, that leads to a lot of resentment, you know, of other people, and, and as I said, self righteousness. Um, because I've got so many messages from people who are like, hey, so I've gotten really good at disarming my reactive anger towards my wife and kids or whatever when they're being crazy. And I want to yell at them. I've I've got that now, but now I feel resentful that I'm always the one that's having to set aside my my feelings, and they're just totally unexamined, running wild. And I'm just dealing with it all, and so now I'm starting to feel irritated at them. And that's where, you know, as I said, self righteousness. Because now you're like, well, now I'm the victim, kind of the one having to bear all of this, and these people are in, <laughs> inferior animals. And now I'm I am starting to dislike them because I'm always having to offload the stuff. And that's because the step one is stopping the reactions and all of that. But step two is actually examining understanding why you're feeling that, why that button's being pushed, and then engaging and communicating with you know the person or the people clearly. Uh, about what you're experiencing right so if if you're you know if the kids are running around screaming and breaking stuff and you're feeling irritated and you go okay let that go just be cool move on go to another room yeah you do that but then you also go hey by the way you all need to calm down and chill out and be whatever you know tell give them i'm not a parent so give them some whatever your feedback you give to kids i don't know but um but that's the point point. and if you you move that into all the areas of your life and that way it keeps you from getting that resentment or that weirdness or the righteousness. And actually, again, it's, you know, engagement is so important, you know, in this stuff, one of the big misnomers that that's out there is that people mistake being more tranquil and self-aware with passivity, you know, because for a lot of various reasons, but they think that's almost this kind of like disengagement with like, no, I'm just going to like, let things kind of flow by. It's not that at all. You know, it's, it's, actually kind of the opposite of that in a lot of ways is it stepping out of the the causal kind of flow of reactivity but then stepping into
0: actually being present and engaged with you know intentionality mm. triggers final bits anything that you think that we haven't got in order to bring that mindfulness gap into the into daily life any habits any routines any triggers any cues that people should remember to use if they want to try and really instantiate this
1: yeah i think a, a useful one is looking for like little bits of time in the day because you can practice even just kind of like checking in with your breathing just calming it down checking your shoulders that's really like oh, so much tension and the anxiety and worry and all that stuff and that people have uh, is just through un being unaware of their own tension and grasping so you kind of get tense, you start thinking, your shoulders get tight, you know your brow gets tight, and your heart starts racing. If you take a moment to just like, go oh, hold on a second, let me change my posture, relax the shoulders, relax the face, and take some breaths, kind of just calm things down a little bit like that will do so much for people it's it's crazy, but it's just having never thought to do that is why no one hasn't done it before. but if you do think to do that, it's on the menu for you. Then you just find these little spaces in your life, whether you're standing in line, you're waiting for something, you're waiting for someone to show up, you're meeting them, you have five minutes or whatever, even 30 seconds, you can realign the posture, relax the the shoulders and the face, and then focus in on just taking a couple of relaxing breaths and just tuning back in again. And if you, you do that consistently, when you find these little empty spaces in your day, then what happens is that actually just becomes a trained behavior over time. So like I do that without, well, I'm aware I'm doing it, but I don't have to stop and go, okay,
0: I should do it now. I just do it. And I'm like, oh, cool. Just going to reset real quick and then move on. Man, if people spent six months working on one habit, one mental cue, trigger occurs, I understand the response. You can move that from the very deliberate system two to the automated system one. And I've done this with a bunch of different things. So the Stoic Fork was one that I, I did it with for a while where, look, do I have control over this or not? And that now, for me, is mostly automatic. Yeah. It just arises. Look, I don't have control over it, so fuck. Like, it's a traffic jam. I didn't know that this was going to – it's raining. I didn't know that this was going to occur. The power's gone off. Uh, today I was supposed to have a podcast and the Wi-Fi went off in my Airbnb. All right, well, I can't fix it. I messaged the person that does the Airbnb. I'm going to go to the gym yeah. instead. And that's now automated. The number of times, and I think that six months is a, a a slow enough period for you to have, okay, I have one goal. I have one behavioral goal that I want to try and move from system two to system one. And if you can do that, in five years' time, you are unrecognizable. You've just accumulated. And maybe after, whatever, a couple of years, you need to go back and do little stints of some of the first ones you did. But, man, there's so much here. And, you know, from the first episode that we ever did, I think you were episode number 9 or 12 or something. Oh, wow. um, And this will be 410. But the mindfulness gap, which was the term that I got from you, that now is still today one of the things that I try and focus on. Something arises inside of me, and there is a beat, just a half-second pause between stimulus and response. Mm-hmm. And that's power. I've, I've said this over and over. If the only thing that I get out of meditation is the ability to have that beat. I'll consider it a win. Yeah, Maybe some greater levels of flourishing and meditative bliss would be would be nice. But that's enough of a win to make it worthwhile, to make the practice worthwhile. And I think that trying to make it practical, trying to take it off the mat, trying to go from when you're doing your sits to, okay, now how does this apply? How does this make my daily experience more effective? I think there's some, some awesome stuff in there for people. So, if people want to check out what you do get the guided meditations do your other stuff where should they go yeah they go to cory-allen.com and then hey Corey allen is
1: all my social handles
0: amazing and the astral hustle
1: that's the podcast the astral hustle yeah
0: brother thank you thank you Thank you very much for tuning in. Don't forget that the Modern Wisdom Annual Review Template is now available for free. Head to chriswillx.com slash review. Get your year finished correctly and start the next one with a plan so you actually know what you're doing. chriswillx.com slash review. Also, you can get 10% off your first month of counseling by going to BetterHelp dot com slash modern wisdom you can get a free sample pack of all eight flavors of element by going to drink l m n t slash modern wisdom and you can get the perfect straight smile that you have always dreamed of 70% cheaper than other invisible align methods by going to d w dot uk slash modern wisdom i'll see you next time